The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. And welcome to Board with Video Games, the gaming podcast that strives for the right balance of coverage for games you play on your table and on your television. You can think of us as the delays and spring 2020 video games of gaming podcasts. We're a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network and thrilled to be part of the Dice Tower Network as well. I am one of your hosts, Kyle, and joining me on this co-op adventure, the guy who only delays the inevitable, Josh. What's going on, man? I am good. Thanks for asking. <laughs> that was really good. Other than when I edited it, I always cut out the silence. Well, you got to leave so it. So. Now I'll yeah. try to remember to leave that. So no, that's okay. When they don't hear a silence, just know that there was a silence. <laughs> I also said, you also asked what's going on, and I said, I'm good. <laughs> so that's not a good, appropriate response to your question. <laughs> it's okay. That's probably maybe like the one time I said something different yeah. to you. I'm so, so. used to it. <laughs> Uh, I'm doing okay. It was a long, it was, it was a good day. Uh, it was a long day though. It's just a three day weekend for me, but we had to do snow removal yesterday at 5am. So it wasn't really a long weekend. It was just an interrupted weekend. Um, but yeah, you know, we got, went from 66 to zero to snow to 18 degrees. So things are great. I'm loving Excellent. this terrible change in weather. Right. And today we were discussing what to do for the kids' third birthday. And I don't Dang. know, have you heard of Great Wolf Lodge? I have heard of Great Wolf Lodge. So there's one local, there's a local one. My cousin happens to work there at the arcade portion. Mm-hmm. But we, they, my wife wanted to do his birthday party there. His birthday falls on a Saturday. So okay. we were like, oh, okay. Um Let's look into it. So for for one night, it was four hundred dollars for one room, not including the I think eighty five dollars in taxes and fees. Just for oh, for goodness. one one night in a queen bedroom. That's it. Like Dang, yo. So then we checked the same room on a Monday, it was a hundred and forty four dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, those weekend prices. They're going to get you. And then we found out it was $95 for a day pass to go on a Saturday. And I'm like, we're going to ask people to go to a water park for my three-year-old's birthday party and pay $95? I don't think so. It is $30 on a Monday. Dang. (laughs) So... Wow, yeah. that better be a really good water park for $95. <laughs> I mean, maybe for a kid who's older than three, but not for a three-year-old. Oh, <laughs> He's going to be goodness. in, like, one little pool for the whole day. Like. Right. <laughs> wow, that is not inexpensive at all. Yeah, so Dang. speaking of the guy who only delays the inevitable, I will be <laughs> delaying this birthday <laughs> excursion <laughs> for as long as possible. <laughs> no, that, that seems reasonable based off those prices. Goodness. Uh, interesting thing is that the name of this episode is this episode is delayed, mm. which is funny because, you know, 
dear listener, you're getting this on time, but I did delay our recording by a day, <laughs> so, which was not on purpose. That was not the intent at all. Uh, but, you know, apparently whatever caught the spring 2020 video games caught me, too, and I wasn't able to record at our usual date and time, so I appreciate you being flexible, sir. Of course. I mean, we were planning on recording tonight anyways, and we changed it to last night because your plans changed. So I know. It doesn't. it didn't really change too much. Changed again. So, yeah, because, you know, like your weather, we had similar weather. So I was supposed to go see my parents this weekend, but that didn't happen. So then when the idea of, like, hey – this weekend is now free what should we do i immediately told my partner well i know what i want to do which is like watch movies and play video games and she said how about we put a backsplash up in the kitchen and i lost that discussion <laughs> so now i have a backsplash in my kitchen which i guess is exciting like that's cool i suppose it looks uh, nice I mean, it, the final product was pretty good. I can't complain too much about it. It was a pain in the tuchus to put together, put up, though. Oh, my goodness. So I lay tile for a while while I was in college as a job. And this is the exact kind of stuff that I always said I never wanted to do because the effort into it is not worth the result, right. I don't think. <laughs> but since this is my house, I guess it is. But, man, it is not the... Oh. Not the way I wanted to lay tile, but it does look good, I guess. So that's nice. But that's not really the way I was planning to spend my weekend. So, but it does. I, I told her, hey, it looks like we have an adult house now. And she's like, you know, these mortgage payments I've been making for years make it feel like a real big adult house. I'm like, yeah, I guess so. To me, that looks like an adult house now, I guess, since we have a backsplash. So, yeah. Well, that's anyway. a big difference. <laughs> uh, one little piece of business before we get to the typical housekeeping. Uh, you might notice if you're a patron, uh, you have not had your January episode of Bored with Everything yet. Mm -hmm. uh, that is coming. Don't worry. I know we usually release those at the beginning of the month, and in February, we will get back to that. Uh, but at the beginning of this month, there was a lot of change. I started a different job and all of those things. So schedule kind of got away from us a little bit. So that was my fault. Um, so that episode will still be coming. You'll just get it at the end of the month. Um, so you'll kind of have two close-ish together. You'll get an end of January one, and then the February one will be in the first half of February still. So never fret. We have not forgotten about you. That episode is so still coming. Um, but with that, let's get on to some housekeeping stuff. As always, thank you so much for joining us. If you have any feedback, questions, suggested topics, hit us up at Board with VG on Twitter or check out the Instagram, also Board with VG. We are a proud part of Play Some Video Games, and PSVG is on Patreon. We are absolutely thrilled with the support you have given us there thus far. And if you'd like to monetarily support what we do, you can find us there at patreon.com slash PSVG. But the most important thing is just that you listen and maybe share the show with someone else who you think would enjoy it. We're also a member of the Dice Tower Podcast Network, so if you enjoy our conversations about board games and would like to dive deeper into that world, we encourage you to check out the Dice Tower Podcast as well as all the other members of the network, because no matter what type of board games you enjoy, there's a podcast on the network that is right for you. Josh, it is the week where we talk about everything we have been playing. So, sir, what have you been playing on your tabletop? Well, normally I'm the one who doesn't who doesn't play games, even though I want to. Um, but I did end up playing a game. I wanted to play more, of course. Uh, but uh, the wife and I fired up. Oh boy, it's Monday, so Saturday night. Um, we we uh, busted open and learned quacks the quacks of Quedlinburg, uh, which you may be familiar with, as it did when the um, Kenner Spiel in 2018. Uh, it's published by North Star Games, and uh, it's it's done by Wolfgang Warsh, 
Versch, Vosch, whatever. <laughs> um, you might know him from The Mind or Guns Shown Clever or Taverns of, is it Tiefenhall? That's the yeah, new I one that he's so, getting yeah. a lot of press for. Um, so, yeah, uh, it's an interesting game. You're um, crafting potions in a press your luck uh, style game. Uh, what's I'm going to look at it just so I can like talk to you about the game as I'm looking at it. <laughs> uh, so basically, every player has a uh, like a cauldron, which is their player board. Um, on their player board, they have a space for rubies, which you can earn while you're playing the game. Um, a potion that you can, well, say drink, I'm gonna, or you can say use, uh, which does something specific I'll talk about. And you have a rat token as well. When you play, you start the game off with um, a certain amount of white tokens, and they're like ingredients, essentially. So there there are other ingredients represented in the game. There's um, green, red, orange, blue, black, and purple, I believe. And each potion has a spellbook that it's associated with. Or a potion book, maybe not a spell book, a potion book, which uh, lists the cost of the potions. Uh, typically, the denominations of potions, you can get a value one, a value two, or value four. And it also some of them also have special effects, which are also listed on the card. The game is played over nine rounds, and you have a, a round tracker board in the middle of the table where you track your progress and victory points. Uh, it also has the rounds in the middle because there are three out of the nine rounds that, that either do something or add something to the game. I guess both. Uh, the second round adds a new potion color, which is the yellow. The third round adds the purple color. And the sixth round adds a another white. Um, the whites are one, two, and three. And what you do is you start in the center of your um, pot and you are drawing potion tiles blindly out of a bag. And when you start the game, you start the game with a certain amount of white potion uh, ingredients, sorry, and then a green and a orange. So what you do when you pull out something out of the bag is it'll have a number and that's how many spaces away from your starting space at the start you move your ingredient in the pot. And the pot is like, um, imagine a, uh, you're stirring the pot, so it's a spiral design in the middle of the pot, and that's the track you're following. So let's say I get a one white. So I put that one away from my starting position. Then if I draw again and I get a three white, I put it three spaces away from that where the last piece was. Now, where the push your luck comes in is if you... Uh, draw seven points of white um, ingredients, you cause your potion, your pot to explode and you're out of the round. Uh, the good thing is you still get certain things, um, but the bad thing is you have to choose um, between two things that uh, someone who doesn't explode gets all, ir irregularly. And I, I worded that confusingly. Um, but basically... What I mean is you can stop at any time. Uh, if you have like six white on the board, you can just stop. Even if you have four, 
if you haven't, there's only one three, so you know if you haven't drawn that three, that it's still in your bag. And at the beginning of the game, you have way more whites than you have any other color. So you're always risking uh, exploding your potion, which is bad, uh, essentially. But the way it works is after you're done placing, everyone stops, and then you go through this kind of like a score track. The first thing you do is there's a bonus die, and the person who's furthest ahead on the track gets to roll the bonus die, or if someone exploded and the other person didn't, then that person just gets to roll the bonus die. doesn't matter where on the track you are. Now, the second one, it asks you, um, you're activating specific potions. Uh, some potions, like the blue potion, activates right away. So if you put a blue one down, the blue one actually lets you, depending on the number, so the numbers for blue are uh, 1, 2, and 4. So if if you put down a blue 2 token... That lets you draw two more potions out of your bag, and you can decide to play one, but you don't have to, and then you put them back in your bag. So like if I drew out a three white and a two white, I might just want to put those right back in the bag. Um, So the second round is you're going to go through black, um, green, and purple, I believe, uh, for that track. The third track is rubies. So as you're going around in this pot there's numbers that represent where you are. So you can kind of tell how far ahead of you are than the other person. They also might have a ruby. They also might have victory points. So let's say I'm at 15 and it has a ruby and it has two victory points. So if I'm on the ruby, I take a ruby, I put it into my ruby bag. If you don't have a ruby, you don't get to collect one. Uh, The next one is where if you explode your potion... Depending on where you stopped on the board, you have to decide to either take the victory points that are on the location you're at, or to take the money value of where you are. So if you're on space 15, you get 15 coins, but you have to spend them on potions that round. They don't carry over. So you have to decide if you want, and if you're on like a three victory point thing and an 18 um, coin on the same track, you have to choose between the two. But the people who didn't explode their potion, they get both of those. So you're really at a disadvantage um, for the future rounds, essentially. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then the last space is you can... uh, Oh, I didn't forget. So you have the potion thing on the side. At any point when you draw a white um, ingredient, you can decide to use the potion and put that ingredient back in your bag as long as it's not a white that causes you to explode your potion. Mm-hmm. So if you are if you have four um, whites down and you draw a two white, you can decide to drink your potion or use it, and then put that back in the bag, and hope to get a different piece. But if you get that three, you're out. <laughs> um, and then the last move is you can trade in two rubies to either move your marker in the your starting marker in the pot forward one, or to refill your potion. Um, and the benefit of moving your marker forward is you getting, I mean, you're starting further and further into the pot, so you're getting potentially further ahead than everybody else. Um, and the last thing you have is the rat. So on the scoring track, there's occasionally rats along it, and they put their tails in between numbers. So on a turn, at the beginning of the turn, you draw a, um, I want to call it a spell card, and it gives you an ongoing effect for that round. 
And then after that's played, you can decide to use your rat token if you want. And what it does is it moves your, it starts the amount of rat tails between you and your opponent for, like from your starting marker. So if you're, let's say, six points ahead of me and there's three rat tails between us, I would put the rat um, three spaces into my pot from my starting marker and start my turn from where the rat is. Okay. And then after that round is done, the rat goes back into um, onto your board. So I, I don't know how clear that was, if it was clear. Um, I will say this is the rare case where we played a game twice in a row, and that never happens. Is it because it was so short? It wasn't short, actually. I know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, but it wasn't long. I wouldn't say it's long. I think the playtime lists... Uh, 45 minutes, I think that's pretty close. Mm -hmm. Um, Probably our second game was closer to that than our first, obviously. Right. Uh, The way board games work. Um, This is a game, I don't know that it's a little, it's probably a little challenging for kids. So I'm I'm thinking teenager plus, um, but we had a lot of fun with it. It, uh, The pressure luck thing, it's very exciting and funny to watch. Each um, like between me and my wife, like watching my wife, like take that risk, and I'm like warning her. I'm like, "Don't do it! You're gonna pull it! You're gonna pull it!" And just we had a really great time laughing. Um, it remind if you played Clank, it reminds me of that like like push your luck aspect of mm-hmm. like you being a little selfish. You're like, "I want to get more! I want to get more!" Or you look at your opponent, you see how much further ahead they are on the track than you. Right. And you really want to either you want to catch up or you just want to get to that Ruby space so you can at least get a Ruby. And then you're like, even if I explode, I just want to get to that Ruby. Uh, so, uh, and all the, all the different ingredients add, um, uh, a lot of variety to how you're placing your ingredients into the pot. Like the yellow, if you put down a yellow, it doubles the amount of moves your next, numbered portion is uh ingredient is so you're moving uh sometimes eight spaces if you draw a four uh which is really nice um mm-hmm. it was a lot of fun we already i already put the um, expansion on my wish list on amazon um, because i can definitely see us playing this uh with two more players at least a few more times right um, and definitely two player games a bunch more um, so I'm really glad we got this. We got this one at PAX Unplugged. Um, that was something my wife, my wife actually wanted to get. I, I probably would have slept on it again if uh, she didn't push me to get it. So, number one, the name. Quacks of Quedlinburg. Yes. I mean, I get that they're supposed to be quack doctors, right? Yes. It does say that in, right at the beginning of the rule book. Okay. Could they have come up with maybe a little more? Do you think the name helps it? The fact that it's called the Quacks of Quendlinburg. Isn't it like a little like alliterative? Like it, it kind of draws attention to the name. Maybe. I don't know. I just think it's really hard to say. Oh, I mean, it's, yeah. It, but that's the thing. It stands out. I think I, I think it's, I think it's smarter than, I think Quedlinburg is the, the, <laughs> the trickier part. Oh, I agree. Quedl- <laughs> oh, for sure. Quedlinburg, definitely. Uh, um, but yeah, no. Um, yeah, I like the name. It's growing on me. <laughs> so I kind of the first time I ever heard about this, I was hoping it was gonna be a Mighty Ducks game, but that didn't happen. Um, do you get the joke, Mighty Ducks? 
I got crack, it. Crack. Okay. <laughs> no reaction. Okay. The other thing that I always was wondering about with this game is it won the Kenner Spiel, right? Yeah. Which is supposed to kind of be the step up, if you would, from the Spiel des Jahres in the sense of the complexity of the game, having it be more of a designer game. Yeah. Everything I've heard about Quacks of Clittenberg, though, is it's, it's pretty straightforward. It's not a very complicated game, is my understanding. Do you think it's Kenner Spiel worthy? I mean, the rules are straightforward, but I think the gameplay is complicated. Okay. The strategy aspects, because when you uh, when you spend your coins, you are literally looking at eight or nine different options of of potions to buy, and and it can get really if you're not paying attention to what your opponents are buying, Mm -hmm. like the the black potion uh, awards you. A uh, pretty hefty. Uh, I think it's. I think it, uh, if you have, if you're tied for the most black potions in your pot, you move your starting marker forward one. But if you have more than anybody else, you move your starting marker forward one and get a ruby. Oh, so if people aren't like our first game, we didn't even really pay attention to the black one because right. we thought we nailed the second game. Um, Ashley got all the blue ones and. Uh, not all of them, but she kept buying blues, and and she was just drawing. She draws a four of blue, and then she draws out four potions from her bag, and she draws another four of blue. So she plays that, and then she draws another four potions out of her bag, and she draws a two blue. Like you can, like there's so many different options right. as far as um, uh, what you can do. So I can see it as far as that being complicated, but. The rules itself, yeah, they're very straightforward. But I mean, the rules for Gonshaw and Clever are pretty easy to pick up. It's just, it's the amount of options you have is what makes it complicated, I think. Okay, so here we go. I'm going to ask you really briefly to compare this to each of the other Kenner Spiel okay. winners. <laughs> and then you're going to tell me which game you prefer. Okay. okay. So, the Quacks of Klinenberg versus 2011, the first year the Kenner Spiel was given out, Seven Wonders. Oh man, <laughs> um, I don't know that that's f- fair. <laughs> um, I mean, I I think I prefer Seven Wonders, but that's I think just because of how many times I played it. Okay, twenty twelve, and if you maybe, and there's a distinct possibility you haven't played some of these. Uh, twenty twelve winner Village. I haven't played Village. Okay, so Quacks. twenty <laughs> twenty thirteen winner Legends of Andor. Quacks. I haven't played Legends of Andor. <laughs> 2014 winner, Istanbul. I haven't played Istanbul. So, quest. Josh. <laughs> 2015 winner, Broom Service. Oh, uh, I have the Broom Service card game, but I haven't played it. So, I picked Quacks. <laughs> <laughs> this is such a good segment. Uh, 2016, Isle of Sky from Chieftain to King. Ooh, I really want to play that, but I haven't. So, Quacks. <laughs> 2017. Exit the game like the like they gave it to like the whole exit the game series basically. I have some exit the games, um, but I haven't played them, so quacks. <laughs> okay, <laughs> here we go then. Twenty nineteen winner Wingspan. Uh you know what? As much as I love Wingspan, um, I think Quacks is easier to play with people. But which one do you do like better? I like Wingspan better. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but I think All it's right. in good company at least. Like, yeah, I think it's deserving. From what I know of those other games, at least not playing them, that I feel like it fits in. I think Wingspan is definitely the most complicated out of all the games that you listed. 
Yeah, that's what's kind of interesting because when you look at the nominees, it is interesting that uh, the what would be considered quote unquote the lightest game tends to win each year it seems yeah uh and maybe not totally true but like in 2019 carpe diem and detective a modern crime board game were the other ones to nominate along with wingspan right um in 2018 <laughs> that's pretty clever odd, odd which is funny that wolfgang warsh had two games nominated um and heaven and ale which okay. obviously is way heavier yeah um 2017 was raiders of the north sea and terraforming mars wow and then the exit games won. That's uh, crazy. 20, yeah, 2016 is Pandemic Legacy Season 1 and Time Stories. Uh, but then Isle of Sky won. You know, so it just seems like the game that is a little bit lighter. And it's funny because they also do their recommended categories. Yeah. And that's where, like, the really heavy games like Great Western Trail was in there. Um, Architects of the West Kingdom. Like, that's where, like, the heavier games really seem to end up. So, yeah, I don't know. I just think it's interesting that it's supposed to kind of be the connoisseur slash expert game of the year, if you would. And it tends to seem still pretty light, usually, <laughs> yeah. which isn't bad. I like light games. Yeah, but. maybe I should try and get all the Kenner Spiel winners this year. Maybe that can be one of my goals. Yeah, and well, and then you can compare them all to one another and rank them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I could do that. Let's set that so as I, a year-end goal. <laughs> I do wonder how many of them are still in, in print, though, actually. Maybe everything... Other, eh, Legends of Andor and Village would be the two I'd be worried about. I've seen Legend of Andor somewhere recently, yeah. and I don't remember where. So, all right. Anything else that you want to say about Quacks of Quidlinburg? Uh, It gets a very high recommendation from me. Um, Excellent. This is uh, a game... Um, if you have older kids or even just groups of friends who just want to play a fun, uh, pretty easy to learn yet complicated and decision making game, this is a this is a really this is a really good one, and I'm excited to add the expansion and talk about that in the future. Very cool. Uh, my game is a game that we've actually talked about, being that you have talked about before on the podcast, but I finally got the opportunity to play. Um, and that is Fantastic Factories, designed by a friend of the show, Joseph Z. Chen, and Justin Faulkner, published by Metafactory Games. Uh, obviously, Josh has played this game before. We've had Joseph on the show, the designer of the game, on. Uh, and, but I finally got the chance to play it. And I was excited because it met my one new game a month goal. So a new game, check, for January. Uh, so that was pretty exciting. But really, Fantastic Factories is a... I don't want to say light because it's not that light, but a engine building game, which has you really, it's pretty straightforward. You know, the first phase of the game is a market phase where you either are picking a blueprint to bring into your hand or utilizing a contractor that gives you some sort of instant benefit. Um, and then you move on to the work phase where you roll some dice. Those dice become your workers. And then you're using them to either gain additional uh, resources to construct buildings, from the hand, the blueprints from your hands, and just really trying to do the best you can to score, to get the most goods you can, um, and or build the most buildings that you can. Um, and the game ends. There's no number set number of rounds, but once somebody gets to either twelve goods uh, or ten built buildings in their compound, you know that you finish that round, you play one more, add up scores, and that's it. Which sounds pretty straightforward, and in a lot of ways it is. Uh, but I really enjoy that there's what seem to be multiple paths to victories in this game. I've only gotten to play it a couple times so far, uh, but I think that there are things that you can try to bet on and say, oh, I really think X, you know, 
cards are going to become available and sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. Mm. Um, so you have to be a little bit nimble on your feet, but really thinking about how you can build the engine well, how you can start, you know, using cards to benefit one another and not just necessarily in building goods or getting goods. Cause I think a lot of times people want to shortcut straight from, okay, I have this card that gives me X goods, but figuring out, okay, how can I use my workers to generate more resources and then turn those resources into, you know, generating goods from the card. So there's usually an extra step or two in there you need to account for. And I think once I really realized that, that it's not A to B, it's A to B to C to D, I think that the complexity of this game started to come out a little bit more. Um, Production value of this game is top-notch. All of the components are great. Kind of like you had mentioned, the fact that you take the what are the punch boards and put them underneath the insert to balance to level the entire box out is awesome. I love when games do that. Um, but the quality of the components, the boards, everything is really good. The rule book is actually written really, really well. Sure. The only, my only complaint about this game, and it's not even a complaint. It's just that my dumb brain can't wrap my head around this is that you have a player board and on that player board, you can put workers to draw cards gain energy or then gain like the metal or whatever the other iron resources right Mm -hmm. for whatever reason i can't wrap around that for the energy when you have the one two and three that like it's the number of pips added together but for (laughs) but for drawing (laughs) cards and gaining metal it is just the number of die you put there and for whatever reason my dumb brain (laughs) can't do this in the right way <laughs> and I, like it's very clearly indicated on the pl- there's like a very clear player aid that tells you exactly what it's supposed to be yeah. and i look at it and i'm like i know exactly what that is but while i'm planning my turns for whatever reason i can't keep it straight no, i don't I know why I, that, that makes sense it, it, it can be complicated because they're not they don't have opposite abilities but it almost seems like it the way that the right. that the points are used so it, uh, we definitely had point times where we confused how much we were supposed to get um, right. just because of that so but i do really enjoy the game i like the fact that the entire work phase happened simultaneously yeah. i think that really cuts down on the time uh, frame of the game i think that some people could see that as a negative because there really is no real player interaction in this game. You very much are playing solitaire, which I don't mind. I enjoy that. But I know some people, uh, some regular guests of this show, yeah. uh, <laughs> might not like that aspect as much. But that's the reason that I really think the game is is pretty cool is it really is you sitting down and figuring out what is the most efficient engine that I can build. But there's still a little bit of having to take into consideration what that dice roll is going to be because you could come up with the best laid plans. And then if your dice roll stinks or doesn't fit into that plans, suddenly you have to be able to adjust and adapt and do different things. So it's very hard to go down one path. You can't just create things to work one complete way because you have to still rely on those workers to, to roll and get the numbers you want or think you want so that you, you have to be a little bit flexible you have to be able to adapt, and it, so it's not you know this mindless solitaire game where you're just putting things out. You really have to try to figure out what you can do to build an efficient factory that's also flexible enough that can handle what your workers give you. So I really enjoy this game. I think it's a game that's going to be hitting the table pretty regularly. I want to try playing it with more people, and I also want to try the solo variation, which I haven't tried yet. Um, but you know, Fantastic Factories, easy, easy recommendation. I think especially for a first-time designer, um, first published game from the company, 
they really did a nice job with this. Everything is really well done. Everything feels good. Uh, they they really have set themselves. They have set a high bar um, for what we expect from them in the future. And if I believe what Joseph said is that there is going to be an expansion that they're working on that now. Yeah. I think yep. is what he said. So looking forward to that, that'll be something I definitely pick up. Um, so if we didn't sell you the first time on Fantastic Factories, I am telling you now, Fantastic Factories, definitely pick it up. Be on the lookout for it. It's an awesome game. Uh, and it's very well-priced for the quality of what is in the box, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. I, I forgot to tell you when, when we were at PAX Unplugged, uh, we went over to the booth and Joseph was demoing uh, the game for some people. So we were like, we were just standing there waiting uh, to talk to him just to say hi. And the other guy at the booth saw us and he was like, hey, how's it going? Started talking to us about the game. You know, I'm like, yeah, we have it. In fact, I was like, we just had Joseph on like last week or two weeks ago or whatever and he was like oh oh that's great who are you again and i told him he goes oh i think i heard of i heard about you guys i think i think he was telling me about that he's like i'm i'm the other guy i'm justin <laughs> by the way and i was like oh i'm so embarrassed i'm sorry it's nice to meet you um but they had a cool thing where they made puzzles for the game and you can play them at the booth they rated them difficulty wise mm-hmm. and essentially what it is is they were coming little packs and you open up the pack, and it's like five preset cards, and it tells you your goal is to get this much energy with these cards pl- by playing them in the right order. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it was pretty cool. So we were able to successfully do the one that he gave us, but he said, like, there's one that's, like, super extremely hard that, that I think he said no one solved or only one person has solved or something like hmm. that. So I'm wondering very, if, very they'll, cool. if they'll sell those at some point. That would be cool. That would be a really awesome way for them to engage the community or to have people come up with them themselves. That'd be very cool. Awesome. So that's it for my tabletop. Josh, what have you been playing on your television, sir? Oh, boy. What haven't I been playing? (laughs) Um, I've been not... uh, I'm in... Well, I am in a... What? This is the best way to describe this. I get insomnia every Mm -hmm. few years. Um that lasts about three to six months, depending on how bad it is. Oofda. And last week, I started uh, my insomnia phase, and uh, uh, it's been a while since I've had that. So it's been a, an interesting week. I also <laughs> did a week without caffeine the same the same week. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know what's wrong with me. Um, but I got to play a lot of video games, which is nice, because I was just up watching movies and playing video games. Mm-hmm. So I'm playing more Horizon Zero Dawn still. I want to make sure I keep giving that a solid effort because I do have a lot of other distractions from it. Um, I do find myself – I'm still focusing on the side missions and I really think I need need to stop doing that. Um, So I think I'm going to start just trying to beeline the main story. Right. Um, And then maybe pick up some side missions. But I already have the weave armor. I don't need to do that and all these things. I know, right? But I'm just having so much fun – Hunting and doing side quests that mm-hmm. it's just so easy. It's such an easy draw for me. Um, so yeah, continuing on that. Um, Children quick, of Morta. Playing really Children quick. of Morta. I'll go ahead. What? <laughs> so for Horizon Zero Dawn, really quick. Because um, I'm, like, I'm still playing it too, but I'm not going to talk about it. Uh, I, I do think it's funny though how you talk about like you're, you're trying to not get caught up in all the other stuff. Really trying to focus on the main story. Dude. I keep telling myself that, and every time I pass 
a tree or a plant that you can get wood from. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I better get this. So I, I pick it up and I have 1600 or something like that. Why do I need this? I don't need this. Just But you never know. I might you need to make 1600 arrows. arrows. <laughs> Who knows? So yeah. I, I kind of facing the same situation. I have to do everything. I shoot every animal I see and I have tons of skins and tons of meat and all of these things. But I can't find a rabbit bone anywhere. I kill so many rabbits. I'm not getting <laughs> rabbit bone. I just want to upgrade my satchel. Gosh. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Okay. Children That's of Morta. Okay. Children of Morta. So uh, it's on Xbox Game Pass. So I also downloaded it there. Uh, I also downloaded it on Game Pass for PC because uh, <laughs> Lucas, uh, he wasn't lying to me. He was misinformed. He thought we could play co-op online, so I downloaded it so we could play, and then we found out we couldn't, so I I deleted it. Um, that is on their <laughs> roadmap, though, that they will have online co-op. Oh, nice. So, yep, coming in the future. So I'm still playing it. I'm playing it on Xbox now, um, just because, like I said, that's the console that's always on, so at least I'm playing it in short bursts. Um, I played Dead by Daylight for the first time with Lucas. Um from PSVG Prime and Flux to Pose uh, for a bit, but we played on PC, so of course we had 40 minutes of technical issues before we started playing. Perfect. Um, and, well, so I'll, I'll talk about what we played when you go. So I got, thank you, thanks to Donnie for hooking me up with a real great deal. The PSVR has arrived at my house uh, in good, great condition. With some games, and uh, um, I put other PSVR games because really I'm just trying mm-hmm. a bunch of games to see like if I like them. Um, but re- so, but the, the two games that really got my time, my uninterrupted time, yeah, was Tetris Effect, which I mean it's cool, right? I like it. I just I feel so out of the game on Tetris Effect. I feel bad at it. Um, and Tetris in general. Um, but what's so cool about it is the music is nice, like subtle music that picks up. Um, and obviously the they do these like things in the background as you're playing, but I mm-hmm. can't really focus on them. I'm trying to look at it, but I'm also trying not to like mess up my lines. Yeah. So my only problem with Tetris Effect is I feel like I can't take my eyes away from the Tetris board itself to look at everything that's going on. Um, and then Beat Saber. Beat Saber is really the thing that has taken the most of my time mm-hmm. with VR. And I was really bummed because I tried to buy the Green Day packs, but the PS ends was saying was something wrong with my card, which there isn't. So I'm not sure what was going on with that, which I'll have to investigate. But um, do you have? access to all the dlc i've purchased already yeah i think so it, in okay. my, uh 10 imagine dragon songs yeah and then, and then this crazy hard yeah, yeah. Okay, okay so well i'm uh, gonna buy the green day pack i have just haven't been back on beat saber since that came out i'm planning on getting it anyway so oh, you'll gotcha. have it here shortly so yeah um so yeah i started it um just my intention was to start it because i knew this was popular right and i knew mm-hmm. people loved it um there's some silence for you that you can edit out. <laughs> uh, well, not anymore. Not that you talked through it. <laughs> well, I, no, I didn't talk through the silence. Uh, <laughs> um, I didn't want to burp on the microphone. <laughs> so uh, I started just by doing the campaign uh, mm-hmm. of sorts. And yeah. basically kind of 
walks you through how to play uh, with songs. So, like, easy songs. So, it's really, like, this game has captured my interest like the first rock band, or the first Guitar Hero, even. Mm -hmm. I can't really explain my unfiltered elation for this game. It's just pure enjoyment. It's very bizarre for me to say that. Uh, it just everything about it feels good. In fact, I, sometimes I'm playing songs and I'm like, I wish it was a little faster. Mm-hmm. So you can I, I can just, I know. Well, I know I can do that. Um, so I can just keep moving my hands. Like it just really, it feels good. Yeah. And as like a white boy with no rhythm, I really enjoy <laughs> feeling like I have rhythm as I'm playing it. Mm-hmm. Um, something did happen to me, and I don't know if this happened to you or not. So for people unfamiliar with Beat Saber which is probably like three people. Uh, you have these these cubes coming down at you. Well, you have like these lightsaber sticks. Um, and they have directions on them, usually telling you which way to um, chop them, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, after like playing like six things in the um, in the tutorial or in the campaign, all the, the blocks that were coming down at me with the arrows on the top, mm-hmm. um, I stopped seeing the arrows. It looked... It came across to me as a reflection of light. So I thought just solid cubes were coming at me. So I wasn't... I went through a whole song not hitting the cubes right. And I was like, why is this so hard? And then it took my eyes a minute to like refocus and figure out that's an arrow, not a reflection of light from like the map. Like the the stage you're in. Okay. Not like a reflection of light from outside of me, but like a Uh reflection of light in the game. And maybe that's just me. Maybe it just tricked my eyes. So in the campaign, oh, I know, I know that you... the, I know that the blocks come and they disappear. Also, yeah, I do there, know that. but there's different <laughs> modifiers that happen as well. Yeah. So I don't know if I'm trying to remember if there is one because I haven't played actually just straight up the campaign in a while where the arrows disappear because I know obviously there's the one where the blocks disappear. But yeah, yeah there's one remember. that the arrows disappear. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, it wasn't that because it happened in some regular songs too. Oh, okay. So anyways, I got to like level 10 of the campaign mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, I'm going to play some tracks. It was late to work because I, I wanted to play all the Imagine Dragons <laughs> tracks. My wife's sitting there on the couch watching me and I'm like, I should probably get ready for work. Just two more and I'll be done. And then I played four or five more and I was like, oh no, because <laughs> you can't see the clock while you're no, there. No, <laughs> you cannot. Um, and then I played some of the... Um, Basically, it's like all EDM tracks, the, the bonus yeah. tracks, So, and they were insane. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was awesome. I had a lot of fun. There's these giant like um, walls that come at you uh, that you have to dodge, and there's like a real a sense of dread for me that this wall is going to hit me as it's coming <laughs> towards me. So I'm like legitimately like trying to dodge them. Mm-hmm. And then there was one game mode you can do 90 degrees. Yeah. But my – so my – I can't tell if it's my PSVR – the PS camera or the VR configuration, it wants me to be like a foot away from my TV. Like when I play Beat Saber and I look down, my, they want my feet to be like three feet forward. And yeah, I can't might, figure that out. Yeah, you might need to go in in the PSVR settings. You can like kind of set up like I think there's a setting for like the size of your the spa- size of your space. Okay. And I think that that can help uh, balance that out. And okay. so you're not, but you're, I kind of have that same thing with Beat Saber 2. I always play further forward in my space 
for that game than I do for like any other game. Yeah, I just don't want to whack my TV. <laughs> Understandable. <laughs> be very sad. Understandable. So I did the ninety degree mode, and you know it has you like turning different angles, and I really I lost track of where I was in my living room. Yep. So when the song was over, I took the visor off just to see where I was, and I was not where I started. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, that's what's funny too, because on Quest, which is why you got a PSR, they have three sixty. Oh yeah, because there's no there's no yeah. Uh, cable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyways, yeah, I, I mentioned in the Discord, um, the first day I played Beat Saber, the first day I hooked up the PSVR, I think I played it for two, two to three hours. And I felt good all day after mm-hmm. that. I really felt a sense of joy I haven't felt in a long time um, since playing video games. And I think I'm in love with it. I want to marry yeah! Beat Saber. <laughs> Um, I did play some other PSVR games. I'll tell you a few things. I'm not a fan of the games where you're using the buttons to turn. It's really upsetting to my equilibrium and my yeah. vision. Yep. Um, it really takes me out of the game when that happens. So I don't enjoy that. And I'm like lukewarm on using the da- um, um, teleport movement. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that that's how they have to make the game, but. Uh, I, at some point, I think I'd rather just have a controller. I know that right. the wands are the best for that, but um, and then I did play a few demos. I really enjoyed the t- uh, is it Battle Zone, the tank one. Uh, yeah, that was awesome. I really enjoyed that one. Um, and then the the game that comes in the in the um, playroom VR. Mm-hmm. I played one of the ones where you're shooting like bouncy balls at digital creatures that come towards yes. you, and yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Scare the crap out of me because you <laughs> you just turn around and there's a giant monster in front That's of you. Right in front of you, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's incredible. I'm really happy with it. Um, uh, you know, I'm kind of sad I didn't jump on PSVR a while ago, but um, GameStop has a buy two get one free on used games right now. Mm-hmm. So uh, I will be Friday. I will be going to GameStop and getting because um, I did try the Eve Valkyrie demo in yeah. the demo disc, and that was really cool too. Um, space combat. Mm-hmm. I don't think you have that, right? I do not have either. Okay, no. so I think I might see what the PSVR the the premium prices are. But yes, uh, I'm very happy with it. And uh, if you have a PS4 or Pro, I think this is a must-have. Yeah, and I think you know, I don't think there's a lot of reason to feel too bad about not having it because a you got a great deal on it. And B, the yeah. library of games you have now is pretty significant. Yeah, thanks to you, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you have a lot of games that are available to you, so I don't feel too, too bad about it. But if you get the chance, uh, definitely, definitely play Blood and Truth. Yes, that's so. next up on the list. Okay. Um, and what I will say, too, is the more you play VR, for a lot of people, not everyone, but for a lot of people, you kind of get your quote-unquote VR legs and that sense of being feeling off or have your equilibrium thrown off go tends to dissipate some. Yeah. So the more you play, hopefully that'll go away some for some people it never does. But like for me, when I was playing a lot of VR and I haven't played much recently, but when I was playing a lot, like smooth movement, smooth turn, all that stuff never like got to the point where it didn't bother me at all. So Gotcha. Cool. Any other games you want to talk about that you've been playing on your television? No, I think that's too much that I talked about. <laughs> <laughs> your television or your VR headset, depending on how you want to look at it. Um I'm just gonna talk about a couple games here briefly. Uh, playing. I don't, have I talked about the fact that I'm playing Lego Star Wars: The Force Awakens? Yes. Okay. Well, I am done with it now. Platinum trophy complete. That game is finished up. Uh, you know, here's the thing. I will say, I enjoy the Lego games. I've always enjoyed the Lego games. 
but I'm kind of the point where they need to stop. Their games are so buggy. Yeah. <laughs> it is ridiculous how buggy their games are. And part of my problem specifically with Lego Star Wars The Force Awakens, this game came out like four years ago. And there are bugs in this game that just have never been fixed. That you go on message boards, and a brief example of one, I was in free play trying to go back through. A partner and I were playing. We were trying to pick up all the mini kits and one of the levels. And there was a... We would do all the stuff to open this door, but the force field in front of the door would never go down. And then once the force field goes down, you have to blow it up with a thermal detonator. But the force field would just would never go down. So I looked it up online and someone had figured out that, oh, if you have X red brick activated, it doesn't work. So I had, which surely enough, had, you know, you get the red bricks because you want to use them. Right. Um, so I had to uncheck that brick so we weren't using it. And then it worked fine. And it, it's just something like that, that four years ago, right? Yeah. Four years <laughs> to fix that. Yeah. And it's just not, then they just don't. And they just don't fix it. And I, the number of crashes to back to like the main PS4 welcome screen that have happened in that game were just unacceptable. The game is fun to play. I, I think they're cool co-op experiences that you can have with people, but Man, when they have this huge, like, nine... Man, I'm saying, like, a lot tonight. It's really bothering me. Um, (laughs) When they have this huge nine-film game that's supposed to come out in 2020, yeah, I want to play it, but I got so frustrated so many times with this game, I don't know if I'm going to get it. And this isn't the only one. In Harry Potter, Lego Harry Potter, I have the Platinum in one of the years, but not the other because of a game-breaking bug that won't let me pick up one of the bricks that I need. Yeah, that's so annoying. it's you know, so, and I just don't know what to do with Traveler's Tales anymore. What are they? I know that they work hard. I know they put out a lot of games, but come on, so many issues. It's ridiculous. So anyway, there's my I'm off my soapbox. <laughs> Lego Star Wars Force Awakens. It was fun, but it did get really really frustrating towards the end. Uh, also, since it was on sale, I finally picked up Catherine Full Body. Josh, have you ever played Catherine? No. Okay. Catherine's a weird game. Yeah, not a Josh game. (laughs) I never played it previously. I always wanted to, but I never really got around to it. Uh, And since it was on sale, and it's kind of supposed to be the complete edition, if you would, I said, why not? We'll pick it up. Um, And it has, you know, it's from the Persona team. This is the game they made between Persona 4 Golden and Persona 5. This was the game that they made. And it is is an Atlas game. (laughs) It just is. It's weird and quirky and the relationships and the and the things you do in it are odd the gameplay it's a puzzle game actually is what you're doing it you're basically kind of playing cubert but more complicated because you have to pull out blocks to work your way up through these nightmares while you're asleep and if you don't work your way up through this tower and escape then you die is it with a weird dude with dude with like devil horns or something yeah well they're sheep horns they're sheep horns because everyone (laughs) in there is sheep but they're people but you see everyone else as a sheep, but you see yourself as a person. Are because you why wouldn't you? No, Catherine is your girlfriend. Okay, okay, I don't want to. I don't want to. Sorry, Catherine is your girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, but then spoiler for the first thirty minutes of the game, you cheat on Catherine oh, with another girl named Catherine. Catherine with a K, Catherine with a C. <laughs> oh, so it's just a mix-up. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, just a mix-up. Mistake, same name, must be the same person, right? Um, and then you're having these nightmares, though, in the at night, and that's where you have to play Cubert. 
But then you go through your day <laughs> and then you have conversations with your friends and go to the bar and do all these things and you know have interactions with people and do all the relationship stuff. And then you go to bed and have to play Qbert. <laughs> <laughs> I love this stuff. It's so great. <laughs> anyway. So yeah, so Catherine Fullbody playing that, working my way through it slowly but surely. Want to tell a very brief story. Uh, played some Call of Duty this weekend. It's still playing a lot of the Modern Warfare multiplayer. Uh, Haley from PlayStation Experience Podcast joined for a few games, so that was great. Shout out to her. But during my play session, I have a regular friend who I play Call of Duty with who is separate from like my Overwatch group. He and I were playing. We were on St. Petrograd, which is, if you're not familiar with the game, it's a long, narrow map. Roads on both sides. And I am working on my marksman rifle skills because why not? I'm bad at this game, so might as well try to be good at one part of it. So I was working on my marksman rifle skills. And for the first time ever, Josh, I was the person who made someone quit a game. That sounds terrible. <laughs> I was I was, I was, was walking down the road. I turned the corner. And as I turned the corner, someone else from the enemy team came around kind of down the road from me. And I just turned quickly and quick scoped them. But when I watched the kill, when I went back and watched the thing later, literally I shot them. There was a building, a small gap, a light pole. And when I quick scoped them, I quick scoped them between the building and the light pole. <laughs> now, I was trying to shoot them. Like I was, that's what I was trying to do is hit them. I could do that, try to do that a hundred times, and I never would hit that shot ever again. Never, never again. In fact, when I hit it, I made the noise that people do when they freak out and they do something ridiculous because I should have been dead to rights. This dude had me. I just flick, turned flick shot, did my quick scope and hit him. Um, and in the kill feed, it literally showed me killing him. And the next thing was him quitting the game. <laughs> so for the first time Poor ever, <laughs> I know. And here's the thing. Had I been him, I would have been so furious <laughs> if that had happened to me. <laughs> I was so angry. Because when I went back and watched it, it was stupid ridiculous. And part of me says, well, yeah, I mean, I totally did that. That's what I was trying to do. And it was. But I could never, ever, <laughs> ever pull that shot off again. It was ridiculous. Anyway, enough COD stuff. Uh, Remnant from the Ashes, Josh. Yeah. Game we, Pass we played that year game. 2020. <laughs> Right? Yeah, Game Pass Game of the Year. 2020. So Remnant <laughs> from the Ashes, uh, Josh and I played this on Game Pass. It is a, what's the best way to say this? Multiplayer. Third person. Third person action game that is hard. It's, yeah, but it scales weird because it's not hard and then it's hard. Right. <laughs> so the bosses are very, very challenging. Or the mini bosses, I guess, was even that that character was. So the setup is cooperative, multiplayer. Almost every item you pick up is shared except for ammo, uh, yep. which is a bummer. Uh, ammo is not as plentiful as you would like it to be. However, I don't think either of us fully ran out of ammo at any point. But no, we definitely I... were knocking on that door. Yeah, I definitely got to the point where I had... A handful of rounds in each weapon. Yeah, that was it. We just didn't run out, but we got pretty close. And you have melee weapon, a main, uh, well, a melee weapon, a handgun, and, a, and your class specialty weapon. Mm -hmm. For me, mine was like a, um, like almost like a, like a rifle, but not a rifle. I don't know how to describe it. Right. Assault rifle. Um, you had a marksman rifle. Marksman rifle and a pistol. Yep. 
And there's three classes you can choose from. Um, I already forget the class I picked. <laughs> it, was so, uh, it was something cool sounding. Essentially, or something oh, like that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And that's like a mid-range fighter, yep. shooter. They have close combat, and then they have ranged. Yep. Um, it's pretty customizable. Yeah. A lot of upgrading you can do. Um, boss fight that we had was very difficult. It took us yeah, like was. eight tries. About that, yeah. <laughs> but I had fun. How about you? Yeah, no, it was great. It was a lot of fun. I don't know that I would play this game by myself. I would never but... play this game by myself. <laughs> <laughs> but if you ever said, hey, we should play games, I would totally be down to continue playing this game. I, yes. I had fun with us playing it together. And you're right. The regular sections of the game... I always I struggle with all, comparing everything to you know a Dark Souls game. Yeah, but the regular sections, not the boss fight parts, were typically fine unless you make a small mistake. Then it gets real bad real fast. Yes, like for, the enemies. For sure. <laughs> yeah, the enemies hit very very hard. Usually about half health for one of their hits. Uh, but most of them, since you're fighting at range, since you're shooting at range, you can see their attacks coming. You can dodge most of their attacks. But if they come up from behind you or do something, you can things can get out of hand very quickly. And if you're if somebody goes down, uh, then it gets actually very much more challenging very quickly. So it is a fun game. I don't totally know from a story perspective exactly what's going on or why it's going on. I I swear I watched the entire intro video yeah. thing and played the entire tutorial. And I kind of know, I think, maybe what's happening, uh, but I don't totally know why. Um, and the enemy's called The Root. I guess that's cool, right? Yeah. I mean, the gameplay itself was fun. I think that's the, the more important part. Yeah. No, it's fun uh, to play, for sure. Yeah. Shooting feels I, I, I good. I don't know that I paid attention to the story very much at all. Yeah. No, but yeah, the shooting feels good. Um, the character animations are cool when you use kind of your special abilities or the relics that you equip that you can then use characters look neat while they do that like it's a pretty yeah. it's it's a fun little cool game uh it definitely is a pretty atmosphere it's got a good solid atmosphere world building's interesting just i i don't totally know exactly why we're doing the things we're doing so yeah we'll stream it the next time we play yeah for sure so that is remnant from the ashes anything else about the things you've been playing on your television you want to talk about josh no <laughs> okay so moving on topic of the show we have two small topics we're going to talk about tonight. One board game related, one video game related. But we're starting with board games. Josh, three huge games kickstarted on the exact same day. Or started their kickstarters, I guess I should say, on the exact same day. Return mm. to Dark Tower, Oath Chronicles of Empire and Exile, and Foundations of Rome. So we're going to go ahead. And that's just not to talk about all the other cool Kickstarters that are going on. Like uh, Dr. Finn's Games has a Kickstarter going on. There's lots of cool things happening right now in the world of Kickstarter. But we're going to go through these three for a little and just talk about them a bit because they are pretty huge uh, in the world of board games. Starting with Return to Dark Tower from the fine, fine folks at Restoration Games. Josh, currently sitting at... million from 15,000 backers. Did you play the original Dark Tower game? No, I did not. I did not either. So that's unfortunate. But Return (laughs) to Dark Tower, Restoration Games doing its thing, bringing back a classic, this time with an app and a really sweet looking mechanical tower in the middle of the board. So it's gotten a lot of hype. It's getting a lot of people excited about it. Excuse me. Uh, 125 bucks 
for the base game. Yeah. $225 if you kind of want all of the stuff for the game. So a little expensive. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I don't know what I was expecting. It's more than I was expecting, but I don't think it's, I don't think it's expensive for what you're getting. Right. The tower itself is pretty impressive piece of equipment. Hmm. I I worry about longevity of parts. Yep. You it's know, mechanical, dur- so that yeah. couldn't be a problem. Yeah, the durability just of that that item alone and without it, I, I don't really think you can play the game. Right. Yeah, it's- you can't play the game without it. So, yeah. But what are your thoughts? Interested in backing Return to Dark Tower? Kind of where is this one on your radar? What are you thinking about it? Uh, I, I want this game for sure. Uh, the something. So there's all these expansions. Well, a, a expansion, $65 add-on um, that you can get. And the nice neoprene board, which is another $35 plus $10 shipping you have to add on. $10 shipping for a board, like a neoprene mat is kind of uh, crazy. Yeah. Um, gold foil art prints. Like, there's a lot of stuff you can add to this. Indeed. Um, it's just, it's very attractive looking. Uh, but what I was going to say is what I do like, which gives me some sense that I will get this at some point, is that... Mm-hmm. It does have that $50 pledge for brick and mortar game stores where they can right. pretty much lock up however many games they want to get. So really, Return to Dark Tower is going to be a game I pick up next year at my FLGS um, because of a different Kickstarter. That's really the only reason. If, if there were, Okay, so I, I mentioned this to you in Discord. I don't know why everyone and their uncle decided to release a game at the same exact time on Kickstarter. Uh, I know. Selfishly, I think it's unfair to the consumers. Um, but that's a company decision. Like, they must think for some reason this is the time to do it. It must be similar to, like, our fall releases for video games. Like, maybe this is the time to push get that push in before you release your earnings reports <laughs> for the right. fiscal year or something. Um, but, yeah, I'm bummed that it launched at the same time as all of these other um, games. Not to mention, I'm also already backing Dr. Finn's School of Sorcery. Yep. um, Because we love Dr. Finn. um, We do. And Pacific Rails Incorporated um, is another game I'm backing, which looks incredible. So uh, I I figured I would mention that to you so you you would check it out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I don't know. What do you you think – where are you on Return to Dark Tower? What's going on in your yeah, mind? Yeah, so here's my problem. And this is a me thing. I 100% get that. But when I see a Kickstarter like this, and I see, hey, you can get the base game for $125, which initially is still kind of a lot of money. But I feel like I'm missing out if I don't spend the 225 to get everything. Yeah, I'm 100% with you on that. And I know that's my fault. That's not their fault. There's nothing they tell you that the base game in and of itself is a rich, fun experience and that you don't need the other things if you don't want to. But my dumb brain says, <laughs> well, if you're not going to get the 225, why would you do any of it? Yeah, you don't want to miss out on anything, especially when you're spending that much money right. on a game. The whole sunken cost fallacy of like, why would I pay $125 for a lesser experience? 
Right. It's why I didn't buy PSVR. I was like, why would I buy the PSVR without the move controllers and without the camera? Right. <laughs> right. So, yeah, I agree with you because they're giving you an option to buy something at a lower price without getting everything that it's coming with, technically. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, this game looks incredible. Restoration Games obviously has done an amazing job in bringing back old games and making them much, I don't want to say better, but fit for a modern audience. Because from what I know, and I never replayed played the original Dark Tower, what people have told me is that it was a cool novelty, but the game itself was not that good. Right, right, right. Well, like most games back in the day. Right. Uh, even Fireball Island. Right. And, you know, I, I wonder... And that's kind of my biggest hesitation. Of it very clearly, if you look at all the work they've done, and I have great confidence in the designers and everyone at Restoration, they do really good work. But do I want to pay $125 for a game that just might be good? Yeah. No, I mean, I hear you on that. Uh, because just because the, they put a lot of work into the look of the game, right? I think it stands. I think it stands alone enough from the original at least from what i know of the original that they're trying for a better game but obviously you don't know i mean you don't know that with any kickstarter really oh for sure and like i said this is no knock on them i just wonder about you know if you try to maintain as much of the feeling of the original and you still want to be have people be able to say yeah that's dark tower it feels like dark tower but it's just a better version of it maybe the best version of a dark tower game is only a good game you know, not a great game. Maybe yeah, you just yeah. can't, you know? That's true. So, and perhaps that is a bad way to look at that. Maybe that's not a true way to look at it. Maybe any game can be made great with enough work. But that's really what the hard thing for me is. This is a game I would love to be able to play before I committed to buying. Sure, I get that. That makes, I mean, you should make that decision on any game that you get. So that that's a smart decision. For sure. Because, like, I really enjoy, like, Fireball Island's fun. I enjoyed my time with Fireball Island. I like playing it. I also wouldn't say it's a great game. I don't think that they did anything wrong. I don't think there's necessarily things that they could or should have done differently. But with the concept of what they were trying to do and how they brought it together, I think they did a great job. I yeah, just it's like a that... novelty game. Right, exactly. Like, hey, that's... check this game out. We'll play it once and you'll never want to play it again. So right. you play it with different people the next time. <laughs> yeah, and that's kind of what I worry about with Return to Dark Tower. I will say it's very cool, though, that as far as the app goes, they do have someone that Jeff Engelstein has kind of agreed that, you know, if things go wrong and Restoration Games goes out of business, et cetera, et cetera, that he will is doing the work to ensure that the app is still viable um, and that'll be able to be played later. That'll be released in a way that people can continue to play the game, even if Restoration goes away, even if the app store goes away, even if whatever goes away, um, that it'll be released in a way that hopefully the game can continue to be played since an app is needed as well. So playtime is tough too. Playtime is like 100 to 120 minutes each game. Yeah, that's, that's a long time. A, that's a commitment. That is a commitment. Yeah, this is. I just wish I went to board game uh, shows and stuff so I could have a chance to play this because I think that would make a huge difference in helping me decide. But Return to Dark Tower, like I said, from the fine folks at Restoration Games, currently at $2.65 million, uh, with 14 days to go at time of recording. The next huge game that released on the same day, Oath Chronicle- Chronicles of Empire and Exile, This is from the fine folks at Leader Games, who, if you don't know who they are, they're the folks who have brought Vast, the Crystal Caverns, and Root, 
uh, are kind of the games they're known for. I actually today got my copy of Root in the mail. So that is very exciting. I'm looking forward to playing that. But this game designed by Cole Worley, who's the person who designed Root. uh, The thing I find interesting about this game, and I don't know if it was in the Kickstarter or if I was reading it online or where exactly it was, but basically they say, this game is not for everyone. They come out and say, (laughs) this game is really unique. It's really different. It's quirky. This game might not be for everyone. So even if you like Root, this might not be the game for you. Josh, what is your thoughts on Oath? Is this a thing you're interested in? What are your thoughts on it thus far? Um, It's actually only on my radar because you mentioned it. Um, Not because I'm not interested. Uh, It's because uh, Root is a game that interests me a lot, but not my game group. Mm-hmm. And not my wife specifically, but like, I would love to play Root, and this definitely looks interesting, and I love the artwork, um, but it's just a game I think is uh, not accessible to me in my regular life. <laughs> so right. I can't um, I can't even really uh, think about backing it just because I could put that $90 to something that I could use. Right, for sure. And like Josh said, it is $90. There's only one backing tier, 90 bucks for the game. And they currently are at uh, $771,000 with a little over 9,000 backers at this point. But I think what is interesting about this, um, I'm just going to read a bit from the Kickstarter, which I don't always like to do, but I think this makes a lot of sense to help people understand how this game works. So it says, quote, every game in Oath affects the games that follow. If one game ends with the fall of an empire, the next game will be played in its still smoldering ruin. There is no pre-written narrative or predetermined endpoint. Oath is not a legacy game. Instead, it is a game about legacy, where the choices the players make will determine what happens next. At the end of each game of Oath, players will take account of what happened in their game during the Chronicle phase. During this phase, the game's board will be recentered around the territory of the game's victor. The victory condition may be adjusted, and new cards will be introduced to the deck depending on how the game was won. When they have completed this process, they will have advanced the history of their world by a generation and set the stage for the next crisis. At this point, players can opt to play another game, or they can pack up the game into the box in a way that will preserve the game state for easy setup for the next game. Games of Oath take about six minutes to pack up and no more than three minutes to set up. So hearing that, Josh, hmm. does that interest you more, less? I mean, I like the I like the um, pack up and set up. That's nice. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's 2020, the year that there aren't legacy games anymore. They're just games about legacies. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, uh, that's like a backdoor way to say this is a legacy game. <laughs> this game is due to ship in 2021. Sorry. Okay. So Fulfillment's 20... January. <laughs> so, a year from now. yeah, I think that's funny that they said that. I mean, it's it's a legacy game <laughs> about a legacy. <laughs> uh, I think that's cool. That's a really, that's a, it's a different twist on a legacy game. For sure. Um and, you know, if they tell me it's not a legacy game, I'll take their word for it, but not, it's not on my ears here. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, it looks cool. I, it doesn't, I'm not going to back it, but yeah, I would love to play it. <laughs> it does sound right. like a game I would love to play. For sure. Yeah, it's really interesting because of 
you know, I obviously just got Root, and there's still a couple weeks left on this Kickstarter, so I'd, I definitely want to try to get Root to the table to see what I want to do about this one. Yeah. Because I think Leader makes cool games. I like the look and style that they use. The art that they use, I think, is very awesome. Um, and this seems different. It seems like it could be something really interesting to play because I really like campaigns and stories that happen in board games, and this seems to try to do it in a different way. So definitely interested. The final game that kickstarted is Foundations of Rome, currently at about $372,000 with about 2,800 backers. Mm. This is from the the folks at Arcane Wonders. This is their first Kickstarter I think Arcane has ever done. This is also part of the Dice Tower Essentials line. And an interesting thing about this game, this is a Kickstarter-exclusive project. This will not go into distribution. Now, companies or brick-and-mortar stores can back to get copies of this game to sell. However, this is not a game that is going to be, hey, is there going to be a reprint into distribution or it'll be available elsewhere? This supposedly is it. This is when you can get this game and designed by a friend of the show, Emerson Matsuchi. Mm-hmm. So, Josh... I feel like this is probably the game you have jumped in on. What are your thoughts on Foundations of Rome? Yeah, I'm currently at the Emperor Pledge level, which is uh, the third highest. I no, mean, it, the third lowest. That's no, it's three from the. That's the highest without a thousand dollars because that's not the, the founder. <laughs> it's not the founder. Which uh, I'm not gonna lie, the fact they sold that, out. That, that those sold out surprised me. But. <laughs> Yeah, they sold out. Um, yeah, you know, uh, I didn't really know what I was going to do between this and Dark Tower. Um, but Kyle pointed out to me that it was a Kickstarter exclusive. I did not know that right off the bat. Um, so, yeah. I mean, I probably would have backed it anyways because it's, it's Emerson. Right. I was just having a tough time deciding. So this was the thing. I didn't want to back it, like you just said, and not get everything. Yep. about the like so i made like i had to make that decision i'm going to back this and get everything um i watched a little bit of a video i think what this game shows is while it looks complex the gameplay is very much emerson and it seems like it's yes. very straightforward yes um and that's very appealing to me because century games are games i can introduce to anyone which means i play them more because when someone says, what games should we play, you pick. I don't have to wonder which of my games you're going to like. I can say, I know you'll like an Emerson game because they're yep. easy to learn. Uh, this game looks... and I The problem I'm having with this game is I feel like it can't look as good as it looks right now. I know, right? It looks so good. And every like I keep getting emails about... That every time they cross a stretch goal, what the new thing is, and everything looks even better and better, and the 3D models look incredible, and they have like this really cool uh, fifth player expansion they're adding, and there's trays that slide into the box for easy storage. This is one of the most unique board game boxes I've ever seen. Yeah, and it's going to be huge. I can't even. I don't. I didn't look at the shipping. I don't even want to know because I don't want to know how much extra I'm going to have to pay. But I paid the shipping for Gloomhaven, so it can't be more. There than you that. go. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's so much to this. The monuments expansion, it really barks right up my alley of loving Greek mythology, um, just based on the 
the buildings they're adding and the monuments. Um, if only I painted miniatures because then I could paint this whole thing, but I do not do that. <laughs> um, it just looks great. So for me, that it was an easy decision once I found out that it was Kickstarter exclusive. I really just pulled the trigger. I texted my wife. I said, we're getting this as I sent her the Kickstarter with a sad face because of the price. And then I uh, said, you know what? We're getting this because you can only get it on Kickstarter right now. So yeah, for me, done. You, what do you think? This game is probably, I haven't backed any of these three yet, but this is the game that I am pretty positive I'm going to back because number one, I have really enjoyed Emerson's games. I, I just find the, the simplicity of design and understanding how the game works and then immediately jumbled or, or introducing though, yes, it's easy to understand, it's easy to teach, but there's still a layer of complexity there for you to learn and understand. And I think this just seems like a really cool game to just have on the table. And if you have people who, you know, I, I don't know the weight of this game, but from watching people play it, I, I don't think it's super high. But just being able to sit down and be like, look at how cool this game looks. Let's sit down and play this awesome looking game. You know, yeah. it just looks so cool. And in some ways, the gameplay, it seems to almost remind me of Bunny Kingdom, where you're kind of like yes. drafting to decide where on the grid you want to build. But then you have to be really careful about trying to like build or draft in order to fit the sizes and structures of your buildings. And yeah, this box is huge. There's a lot of stuff in the box. Man, I'm stoked about this game. I'm pretty positive I'm going to back it. Um, and I'm also going to back at the, you know, $160 level, $159, I guess, technically, uh, yeah. to get all of the stuff. Shipping's 25 bucks. 25 bucks. Yeah, I'm looking yeah. at it right now. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I'm excited about this. I find it kind of odd that it is Kickstarter exclusive, but I got to imagine manufacturing this isn't cheap. And this isn't something that maybe Arcane's like, we're going to jump all in and make a whole bunch of these because as a retailer even where in the heck are you going to put this on a shelf this uh, box looks so big you yeah know? i'll have to put it on top of my shelf yeah i mean it's a huge box so there it is foundations of rome so josh a quick bit of math here foundations of rome to go all in 160 dollars Re returned to dark tower is two hundred and twenty-five dollars, which would be three eighty-five, and then if you want to also get oath, would be another ninety. So four hundred and seventy-five dollars, Josh. If you want to back those three games, how does that sound to you? It's like a one-night stay at a water park. <laughs> I actually, when you put it that way, it seems like such a good deal. I would buy all three of those in a heartbeat. <laughs> awesome. Hey, anything else you want to say about those Kickstarter projects? Uh, it's just, uh, man, starting off the year strong with Kickstarters, huh? Yeah, for sure. And obviously we might have a couple big ones still from come on coming this year, but I feel like these are going to be three of the bigger, maybe not in dollar value, obviously return to dark tower and dollar value, but just more high profile, big name Kickstarters we're going to have this year other than what come on does. And it's just very interesting. They're all at the beginning of the year, literally basically the same day. So. Yeah, I would say, um, I know I mentioned it at the top, like if we have listeners who are just kind of like shell-shocked by the prices and stuff, there's a lot of Kickstarter games out there that are uh, lower priced. I would say yes. definitely check out Dr. Finn's games, what, School of Sorcery. Bucks? It's like 20 bucks, and you can even bundle his other games uh, with it. And it did fun, so it's definitely going to happen. Right. Um, and I really think uh, people should check out Pacific Rails Inc. because it looks really cool and 
you can get in at 30 bucks for the game, which is, I think, really good. You can also get the deluxified version for 60 which looks even better. But if you're looking for like a fresh train game that isn't the ticket to ride that maybe you hear about all the time, um, it definitely caught my attention. So those I would just mention to our listeners who maybe can't swing what we've been talking about. <laughs> well, and I mean, to be clear, we can't swing it either, right? No, we I can't. Mean, we-, we can't. I'm just saying like, <laughs> just like if you're out there, I know we have some listeners who for the first time bought into a Kickstarter last right. year, their very first one. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe because we talked about certain games. Um, so I say, I know people worry about the investment. Uh, this isn't like an Indiegogo thing. Most of these things, almost, I would say 98% of these get funded and go through. You're not going to lose your investment. Uh, at least not yet. So, right. uh, yeah. I mean, I always just cruise on over to Kickstarter and see what's going on. And some things catch my attention. So I would say do the same. For sure. And, you know, really, Restoration, has I've backed their Kickstarters and gotten their games. Oh, yeah. Leader, yeah. I've backed their Kickstarters and gotten their games. Arcane, this is their first Kickstarter they've done. But Arcane is a very reputable and dependable publisher. I mean, Yeah, and not, they have so, Dice Tower Essentials behind them. So they definitely will get this out. And it's yep. uh, manufactured in the U.S. So uh, yeah. you won't have to worry about all these weird ta- tariffs and stuff. Indeed. So shipping should be pretty easy. So... Anyway, that's the Kickstarter stuff. Uh, Josh, so, you know, in the Kickstarter world for board games, they have their anticipated deliveries. Mm-hmm. And without fail, most of them miss the date, right? They're usually, some of them hit it right on or in the ballpark. But yeah. it's not unusual for board game Kickstarters to, you know, be eight weeks, 12 weeks late. That's pretty... It's expected. Yeah, it's kind of expected. And usually there's a good faith effort going on. They're keeping track of everything. Apparently, video games have been taking some lessons from some <laughs> board game Kickstarters because uh, spring video games apparently are now fall video games, if at all video games. So yeah. um, 2020 is really having its fair share of game release delays. So a few examples. Marvel's Iron Man VR was originally scheduled to come out February 28th. That is now coming out May 15th. Final Fantasy VII Remake delayed from March 3rd to April 10th. Cyberpunk 2077, delayed from April 16th to September 17th. Ouch. Uh, Marvel's Avengers, delayed from May 15th to September 4th. The least surprising. (laughs) (laughs) And Dying Light 2, uh, today, was delayed from spring 2020 until sometime. They didn't say. And that's all on top of The Last of Us Part 2 being delayed from February 21st to May 29th. Watch Dogs Legion being delayed from March 6th to who knows Gods and Monsters being delayed from February 25th to who knows, and Rainbow Six Quarantine being delayed from quarter one 2020 to who <laughs> knows. So, Josh, you know, yeah. six months ago, we were talking about how stellar, how stellar the beginning of 2020 was going to be. Mm. Now we're to the point where I'm trying to figure out what the heck we're going to do for Meta Spring because I don't know what games to put in it anymore. Not to do Summer Spring. I know. That's what's <laughs> going to happen. Obviously... The I, we want game developers to take their time, make the games as good as they can, right? Yep. That's fine. You're going to delay your games. Here's my question for you: What do game companies do? Should we be announcing release dates? You know, Sony for the most part got away from releasing them because they were delaying everything. Yeah. So obviously, Tilo and Iron Man got delayed too here. But for a while there, they just weren't even announcing release dates until like three months out. You know. Should games stop giving release dates? Should they give years? Should they give 
hey, we're working on this. What should companies do and what obligations do they have once they have put a release date on something? Do they have any obligations? What are your thoughts on all that? Um, I don't know what they should do about the dates. Uh, I think it's still important to give your consumer an idea of what's coming when. So, mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's definitely important, especially if you're making a console decision based on a specific game. Right. Uh, that that being said, um, we should be at a point where, where we're just like Kickstarter board games where we expect delays. Um, okay. Then you have – but there's also – there's obviously – Things like Final Fantasy VII Remake and Last of Us Part Two, um, even Cyberpunk, like games that have been expected for a while. Right. Maybe not Last of Us Two. That might not fit in that category. But at least Final Fantasy VII and Marvel's Avengers, right? Those games, we've heard about them for two years now. Mm-hmm. And we were expecting them for two years now. <laughs> and the problem was they weren't giving dates then, right? Right. So then you're like, okay, is it coming out this year? Well, we don't know. So I think maybe giving dates um, fights that off a little bit if they uh-huh. have a projection. I mean, that's the problem is if a studio can make a pro- uh, a projection, maybe do quarters, maybe do years, at least give, give someone something. Right. But people need to ex- – I still think there's two camps. There's the camp where I think we're in. Uh, if you need to delay a game to make your game better, do that. Right. We'll wait. But the other camp is, I want it. I want it now. Give me the game now. Why are you delaying this game? I'm going to boycott you. Like, that's the other camp. It's like black and white. Two different sides. Right. Uh, so those people are going to be mad about any delay. Like, Final Fantasy from March to April, that's not a big deal. Right. Like, you've already waited three and a half years. Wait a month. <laughs> so some people make big stinks about small delays. I think my biggest worry, my biggest problem, is this is not the year to be delaying games until fall. Right. No one's going to buy a Cyberpunk 2077. Who was thinking about buying an Xbox One Series X or PlayStation 5? And I say that as a general statement to make my point clear. Uh, people were planning on buying this in April and playing it before the next generation of consoles came out. Right. And now... (laughs) Now, what do you do? Like, it it has to be September, right? They can't push it past September. If it goes to November, they might as well push it to January. (laughs) Right, with making it look prettier on the new things. Yeah, or just giving those consoles room to get their legs under them so you're not trying to buy all the released games. And then you're like, okay... It's January. What games do I want to play? Oh, yeah. Cyberpunk's coming out. Right. So, I mean, just because they delayed it to September 17th does not mean they can't release it earlier. If they finish in June, they can shoot for a July release date. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but right. September I mean, could be early or later, depending on what they want to do or right, what but, they can do. I mean... Uh, they also probably delayed it now, though, because of the marketing plan, right? So yeah. if it if they suddenly get That's done true. sooner, I, I don't know how much more earlier they could really release it. And also, I mean, The Last of Us Part Two was announced at PSX 2016. Yeah. <laughs> so we've been waiting for that game for a while. But do you think, you know, do you think there's any – do companies have any obligation when, for instance, Cyberpunk 2077 – 
comes out at E3, show, you know, year two, they show the trailer, releasing April 16th, pre-order now. Yeah. And then everyone, pre-orders! And now they're like, hey, just kidding, coming out yeah. in September. Is there, <laughs> is that just the, is that just too bad? Y- you know, is there, I know that's the reality of the situation, but should there be any, or is there, you know, in the perfect world, should that be a thing that can happen where you said, Hey, I purchased this product with the expectation it would be out this date you said, and now it's not Yeah, as someone who's already given you money. You should be able to get a refund at least. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's, there's the right way to do things. Well, there's a way to do things. Right. One of the things Bethesda um, has done well recently in the past two years, at least was two years ago at E3 when they announced um, Starfield and uh, Elder Scrolls Six. They were just mm-hmm. like, "Hey, I'm not. T- we're, we're not telling you a date. The, we're not even showing you much. Right. We're working on these games. They'll come out when they're ready. That's right. what they should do. Like, hey, check out this game, Cyberpunk 2077. This is our next game from CD Projekt Red. Check mm-hmm. it out. Do you like it? Does it look cool? Awesome. It's coming out at some point. Right. Like, like Beyond Good and Evil Two. They never put a date on it. Right. They showed a little bit, then they didn't show anything. And now they're still not showing anything. But if you're right. in like that um, test monkey email right. thing that I'm in, you get updates constantly. So they're updating the community oh. just in a way where the people who want to know what's going on are getting that information somewhere else. Do you think that game's ever coming out? They're, yeah. I mean, they've been putting a lot of work into it and there's a lot of... They show a lot of video of them like playing the game and and doing stuff. It's just I don't know what there is of the game because a lot of the stuff they're showing is like what I would account for like a tech demo, right? So I'm not sure what the game's going to look like when it comes out, but it's definitely going to come out. What what year would you guess that uh, game's coming out? Not in? this year, <laughs> 2021. You the think even is, 2021? I think so. Um, I think the problem will be though it might look a little dated because they've been working on it for so long <laughs> ubisoft's big 2021 release beyond good it Evil might have to be and skull and bones <laughs> i think skull and bones is no pun intended dead in the water <laughs> <laughs> so i mean pun intended <laughs> yeah man i was gonna ask you another question i totally spaced what it it's was okay. i've been derailing you it's okay it was a really <laughs> really good question though um I'm sure. <laughs> no it clearly wasn't oh i know what i was gonna say so one thing that people often compare this to, right, is they'll compare movies and games. And they talk all the time about how the movie industry is pretty transparent, right? We know every movie that has been optioned or rights that have been optioned for books and who uh, who owns them. Directors get attached and detached and reattached to movies all the time. There's all these conversations that are happening hmm. about, like, we know what movies – Mar, you know, Disney has planned for Marvel going up through Black Panther two. What what date that's supposed to come out in, right? And yeah. sometimes those dates change. So people talk about how oh, the movie industry changes dates all the time. It shouldn't be a big deal that video game industry changes dates. Yeah, I think the big difference is I can't pre order tickets yet for Black Panther on in February twenty twenty two, but I yeah. can, you know, and I think that just makes it very different. That yes, the dates and and movies change. That things adjust. But by the time I can pre-order tickets, I don't know that it really has ever changed then for movies. Right. It's weird because 
I, I get what you're saying. I just don't know how the game market would handle that because, like, I know if you're in the Nintendo Shack after a direct, right? People are screaming about when the pre-orders are going live, right? And that's what everyone's doing: pre-order, pre-order, pre-order. So there's like that fan base of people who need need to pre-order a game, even though you could pretty much walk into any game store and buy a physical release of any game at this point. Games don't sell out anymore like they used to. Or digitally whenever you want yeah. to just download so I'm not, it. I'm not sure the need for the pre-order unless it's like ingrained in us from the past mm-hmm. where we couldn't find games. Um, right. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe not putting out pre-orders right away, maybe waiting mm-hmm. would help uh, how people get hurt by pre-orders, I right. guess. Um, but the, the thing that bothered me the most about this pre-order system is like the Final Fantasy VII pre-orders, the emails people are getting sent from, I think, Best Buy, where they're like, you need to opt back in to keep your pre-order. Right. That's not right. You paid money, whether it's a deposit or full price. Right. A retail outlet should not be able to cancel your pre-order on you because a game was delayed. Right. That's and now they what's don't know really more have, frustrating. They don't know if they'll have enough of the special edition or whatever. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I mean, is... uh, having worked at Best Buy, uh, they're very infamous at overselling special mm-hmm. editions, which is very frustrating as a person who works customer service in Best right. Buy. <laughs> and you For have sure. no say over what the company's decision is on that. All right. Do you think any other spring games are going to get delayed? Or is this it? I don't even know. I don't even know what's left that isn't <laughs> delayed. <laughs> so I assume Doom's good to go because they just released a new trailer and didn't say anything, right? Yeah, Animal, I mean, Animal Crossing is the thing still. That won't get delayed. Doom won't get delayed at this point because it was uh, it got a huge delay already. So right, and it, they just released that new trailer that looks sweet. Uh, Neo yeah. two, but if they released if they delayed Iron Man, I assume they would have delayed Neo two if they were going to, since it's they're about a week apart. Uh, what else now? Man, there's something else in April, isn't there? Oh, I know. I know we have Warcraft three reforged. That's not gonna get delayed. Um, oh, and I guess I forgot. Technically, Ori got pushed back a month too because it was originally February. Now it's March. Yeah, and Ori got delayed to March. Yeah. So, yeah. MLB. I mean, I'm okay with the delays. I really am. Uh, uh, we have plenty of games to play. Mm, Resident uh, I get, Evil three. I get, Resident Evil three. Yeah, uh, yep. I get why people are bummed uh, for sure. I understand that. Um, but like I said, I mean, the biggest. Bummer to me is Cyberpunk getting delayed all the way to September. Yeah, uh, that's a long one. I don't. I feel bad for them. That's not a good date. That's not a good time of the year to come out in this in this specific year. Um, so I'm just kind of sad that that they're not getting that game out in April, where they would get a much higher player base. I think. I wonder what the people at Crystal Dynamics said. They they delayed their game to early September, and then the next day. CD Projekt Red's like, yeah, we're going to delay Cyberpunk two yeah. a week and a half later <laughs> than catch Marvel's <laughs> Adventures. Crystal Dynamics probably, darn, gosh darn it, come on, seriously. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, I'm still, I mean, there's still plenty to play. And if nothing else, our backlogs are ridiculous. So yeah, I'm just really interested in what this means for a game like Dying Light 2, right? That they said, yes, we're delaying, but we're not telling you when. Does this mean they're just working on it being compatible with next gen that they're going to upgrade it and it's going to be hey yeah you can get this and it's going to be good to go in next gen if you want it to be as well i don't know i don't think so i don't think you don't that, think so i don't think that I, I don't know i just for some reason i don't think that 
we're going to see, at least from like out of the Xbox camp, about how, how their games are going to uh, are be played on the new console. It doesn't sound like it's going to be as much of a drastic change graphically, like from the 360 to the mm-hmm. um, Xbox One, where Destiny looked completely different. Well, not completely, but a lot. If the gameplay itself was was uh, noticeable. As but Josh, as, yeah. Josh, the chips <laughs> have 8K on them. Sure, I have 8K support. <laughs> but the chips themselves, they say 8K, so that means all yeah. the games are going to look amazing and way, way different and better. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Considering I think most people still don't have 4K TVs, 8K right. is surely the way to market your consoles. <laughs> Um, yeah. I mean, it, it definitely would be smart of them to be able to add like the support, but I just don't know how easy it will be for these companies to add that to a game that's already been in development. It could be just a Switch, I don't know, right? Um, but it could be a graphical overhaul, and and they and I can't imagine them putting that much money into doing that either. If you know, there's a lot of theorizing that next gen really is going to mean 4K 60, right? That that's what it's going to be. Is things are going to be 4K 60? That makes the most sense. Do you what would it take for you if they said, okay, you could play this on your Xbox One X and it'll run 4K 30, or you can play it on Series X and it's 4K 60? Yeah. Is that enough? It depends on the game, right? If we're playing Call of Duty, then that's important. Right. Call of Duty's always 60, though. Right. Oh, is it? Is <laughs> yeah. it run 60? Okay. Yeah. I didn't know Multipl- that. Multiplayer in Call of Duty is always 60 frames. Okay. I didn't know that. That's good. Yeah. Um, so if for games like that, at least for shooters, if it's not. I don't think Destiny is 60. That's 30. So, yeah. like Destiny, um, I'm not like the diehard live or die by 30, 60, like mm-hmm. a lot of people are. Like, if I enjoy the game and it plays well, right. I'm not trying to count the frames. Right. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, I've definitely seen quality differences between them, but mm-hmm. that's not going to get me to upgrade a console just going from 30 to 60. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. We'll have to wait and see because, you know, uh, Xbox has said they're not going to have any exclusives. And PlayStation, I mean, I think PlayStation will be PlayStation. And there will be exclusive PlayStation 5 games, but yeah, they will also be backwards compatible. So I, I feel like, you know, I'm playing Call of Duty on my PS5 and someone else is playing Call of Duty on their PS4. I, I feel like our games are going to have to run pretty similar to make that yeah. not be totally bonkers, right? So Yeah, it has to be for the online environment. Yeah. So, yeah, so I don't really know how big of a difference this is going to make. So it'll be very interesting. Um, all right, we're starting to get a little long in the teeth here. Josh, we do have some uh, questions slash thoughts from our listeners. Do you want to go ahead and take us through them? Yeah, sure. Uh, Splig's jumping in, our only contributor this week, which is fine. <laughs> uh, Splig says, uh, first comment is, I've seen a few complaints about the price of Kickstarters uh, contrasted and the gotta get it mentality for FOMO. I really don't feel this at all as games are a luxury, period. Do you feel this is a shady business practice or a chance to provide a higher quality product for those who can afford or want it? Maybe not for me, but I think, and he tagged as Restoration Games has a great campaign and track record. Now, so I agree. Um, Restoration Games has a great campaign and track record. Yes. I don't think it's a shady business practice. Um, only because the quality is represented in the price. Now, there's probably people out there that are publishing or distributing games that aren't doing that. But as a as a whole, I think it's for, it's for high quality product for people who can afford it. Um, and it's nice when you have campaigns um, 
that offer you the ability to get a regular or deluxified version of the game right. for a fraction of the cost. That is a, um, I think that's the most ideal Kickstarter campaign mm-hmm. to get to get like a, a broader audience. But I think what Kickstarter has become for a lot of board game players is um, display piece, showcase piece, bragging piece. Like yeah. that's that's what a lot of this has become. I think. Right. And I mean, if you go on board game subreddit, there's threads of people taking pictures and showing their their collections. And it, it there is a status thing there definitely associated with it. But I think there is a strong movement right now in paring down, not buying games for a year, doing those sorts of things to really, you don't have to have the newest, latest, best to be a quote unquote real board gamer, right? You just have to enjoy playing board games. Yeah. And yeah, you know, Restoration Games has great campaigns and they're definitely... The campaigns that make the most of money and draw the highest uh, attention tend to be those that are really expensive, that have really detailed in miniatures and things like that. But as we talked about, Dr. Finn makes great games. They make yeah. really, really good games, and you can get it on their Kickstarter for 20 bucks. Yep. You know, so yeah, they might not get the headlines, they might not get all the accolades and all that stuff, but there are still really good Kickstarters to be found. I think even Star Realms has a Kickstarter going on right now that's funding pretty well, yeah. um, and it's not super expensive. So there are still ways to get in. Those are just not the games that are getting the attention, even from us. Like We're as guilty of it as anyone else is. Sure. But yeah, there's some good stuff to be found. And I think for you know something like you know Empires of Rome, um, there definitely is the idea or, or foundations of Rome, excuse me, there's the idea of this would be really hard for them to manufacture and sell. So they, it is kind of a glorified pre-order system, which sure, maybe they could just create the pre-orders on their website. But by doing this, the the year it's going to take to get the game is kind of expected. When you're doing yeah. a Kickstarter for a board mm-hmm. game, you're not expecting the game usually within the next three or four months. Like you typically are, if you're going to pre-order something on a website. So yeah, I don't know. I overall, I think it's good. Got to be careful, obviously, but I think there's a lot of good stuff out there if you just look to. That's less expensive. For sure. Uh, and this really also comments uh, Cruella, Gothel, and Pete. Uh, and he is referring to our newest villainous expansion. Indeed. Uh, which I forget the name of it, uh, which I should have known. But uh, it is a, a red cover. Uh, we're finally getting Cruella... Um, Gothel, for people who don't know, is the mother from Tangled, which I think we mentioned in a previous guessing of uh, what would be next villains. And Pete, which I was surprised by, um, and when my wife was telling me, and I'm like, Pete, who? And she, I was like, Pete from Mickey? <laughs> and she's like, yeah. And I was like, okay. Uh, but it's like Pete from Steamboat Willie, I guess, right. is really yeah. what it is. Um, I think that's c- clever. I think that's a, a nice addition uh, where it's not your typical villain you would have guessed. So um, I, I think it would be cool if they k- keep doing sets where it's like two main villains and then a, a knockoff villain. Right. Uh, perfectly Wretched. There we go. Perfectly Wretched. Coming so, out uh, March 1st. March 1st at Target. Yep. Yes. Uh, I, I really like the fact that the Pete cards are in black and white. Yeah, I think that's really cool. That looks really, really cool. I think that's a nice touch that they did there. Yeah. Yep, awesome. I just wish you know what I would love for them to do? Release a box like Smash Up. Big box, yes. Where I can put all of my villains in. And actually I'm gonna tweet at them until later tonight. <laughs> I think that. you should do that. Make a <laughs> huge big account. box. Yeah, do it. I would love it. So yeah. 
Awesome. As always, you can reach out to us at Board with VG on Twitter. We'd love to include your thoughts, comments, or questions in the show. And obviously, it's time to wrap the show up, and we are clearly a gaming podcast, but we want to give you one recommendation, suggestion, or thing we are currently into that is helping us live a well-rounded life. So, Josh, what is your recommendation for our dear listeners this week? Okay, so part of my insomnia was starting to watch movies I haven't uh, watched that I either have owned, some movies I got on Black Friday that I just never watched, uh, and some stuff online. Uh, I finally got shazam to the tv uh the other night and i only got it because it was eight bucks and on the 4k blu-ray uh, 4k uh, ultra hd on black friday from walmart i was like well i gotta try it <laughs> and i can add it to my superhero collection um it is an incredibly sweet and charming and funny movie i was really surprised uh with how much i liked it and mm-hmm. I've always been a fan of Zachary Levi since Chuck. Right. Um, and he's just perfect for that character. He does a really great job at making you believe that he is still a kid. Uh, right. And um, yeah, it's funny. It shows there's a lot of character development in the movie. Um, I just uh, I thoroughly enjoyed uh, the whole thing. So like Shazam is a super easy mm-hmm. uh, recommendation for me. If you want like a lighter hearted superhero movie. Yeah, Shazam was great. I really I enjoyed it far more than I thought I was going to as well. So uh, my recommendation is one that Josh has recommended before, but I finally got around to watching, and he's absolutely right about it. It is great. <laughs> that is Breakfast, Lunch, and Dinner on Netflix. Uh, host is David Chang, who also does Ugly Delicious, among a million other things. Uh, and this, this is a short, a short show, only four episodes. But I will say is that the episode with Kate McKinnon, Yeah, I mean... I want to be best friends with Kate McKinnon. <laughs> like that is what I learned from that show because she is so thoughtful and insightful and in the way she approaches and thinks about things. Oh my goodness. I just thought it was so cool. Uh, it's a great show though. So if you are interested not only in food, but just also in how culture and celebrity impacts people and the things that they do, I think it's a really interesting, fascinating look uh, about all of those topics and all of those things and, and really looking at the hardships and, and struggles folks have had in other countries, but also then th- talking to people who seem like life should be great and easy because they're famous. Um, and sometimes the challenges that come with that as well and the way they've overcome those and the adversities they've faced. So Breakfast, Lunch, and Dinner on Netflix. Definitely recommend. Josh was totally right about it. Hooray. Hooray. Josh, what do you say we wrap this show up? You got it, dude. Thanks for joining us, everyone. In addition to finding us on Twitter and Instagram at Board with Fiji, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Board with Fiji. Uh, I will admit we need to get a little bit better at <laughs> sorry, I need to get a little bit better at <laughs> updating you guys on Facebook. Um, I, well, I'm constantly reminded by Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> your, your, your friends are missing you. Please post something. Uh, also, if you want to communicate in the more long form or you're just not feeling social media, please feel free to email us at boardwithvg at gmail.com. We tag our stuff with hashtag boardwithvg, so please use that hashtag as well on all social medias. And whatever podcast service you're listening to us on, we encourage you to give us a stellar rating. That is, whether you're downloading us from the PSVG feed, the Dice Tower Network feed, or our very own standalone Board with video games feet. Uh, 
In lieu of my plugs this week, I'm going to plug our show. We have some uh, exciting guests coming up in the next month, which uh, we're really uh, thrilled to bring them to you guys uh, as our, our schedule is lined up right now. Uh, Lucas from Fluxpose and PSVG Prime should be joining us for our board with everything this month, which you can just listen to for a dollar a month. That's all mm-hmm. you gotta do. Uh, just win one of our contests, and you can just pay for a year's worth of Patreon. Um, so I'm excited to have Lucas on. Um, we'll be chatting about you know everything but board and video games. Um, but yeah, stay tuned, and I'll post some teasers on. Probably Instagram and Twitter on who our future guests might be uh, soon. So stay tuned. Kyle, where can people find you? So you can find me at all the usual places. Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, Board Game Geek. All at Psychocross, C-Y-C-O-C-R-O-S-S. As always, if you have any suggestions for future topics, be sure to reach out to us on the social media. Because we want to talk about what you want to hear about. And remember everyone, whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming.